Gentlemen, and welcome to a very spooky episode of the Saturday Morning D&D Show. I am your host, Vincent Jordan Price. Uh, silent PH in the middle. Uh, I am joined always by my wonderful co-host, Sir Lucian, over at Spurky, yeah. S- Spurky, Spooky Sir Lucian uh, <laughs> Games. Uh, <laughs> how you doing, sir? Good morning. Pretty good. I was really expecting that voice for the whole show, but uh, for the we'll whole see how that show. goes. <laughs> now on to Bardic Inspiration. <laughs> yes. um, oh, I love okay. Halloween, so this is fun. Uh, although it's sad with the <laughs> pandemic and stuff, we can't take yeah. the little one. We were just going to like dress him up and take him trick-or-treating, but we've kind of made up for that by taking a whole bunch of other uh, costume photos throughout the uh, entire month. So well, you were sense. doing like uh, a costume a day or more ish, yeah, yeah. I thought. Mm-hmm. So that means today is the final yeah. costume day because I assume there's no costuming November 1. Uh, to... Unfortunately, there will be because we accidentally oh. missed a couple days. <laughs> and so we're going to, we have some backlog photos of okay. me and my wife and the baby as various costumes. Um, she made a. <laughs> Disney Aladdin rug outfit for her. And so she's like literally a giant rug. It's really cool. I, it's over there, I'll, but there's photos of it. But, um, uh, and then, uh, little baby was, uh, the genie. And so he was holding a, a lamp and stuff. It was cute. Um, so we have that one to release. There's all these other ones that we have to release, but the, the best one, which is what we're going to film today is, uh, one of my favorite movies is who framed Roger rabbit. Oh yeah. Um, I love that movie. And, uh, we were talking about like what silly like couple costume with the baby can we do? And I was like, well, what if we do who framed Roger rabbit and he's the baby. And we were kind of talking about that and we're like, okay. And then it's like, but what if we like, what if one of us is the vat of dip that they put the tunes in and he's dressed up like the little shoe that they put the shoe in the dip. Oh, right. So Shannon was just like, Oh my gosh, that's, we got to do that. So she built a whole, like, uh, barrel that says dip on it for her to, like, wear. And then I'm going to be, I think his name's uh, Judge Doom or something. I'm going to be Christopher Lloyd's character. Right. Um, And then we have a little shoe outfit for Oliver to go into. It's the most morbid thing, but it's really funny. (laughs) Um, These pictures are actually on my Patreon uh, Ah. in the Discord is where we've been uploading them. Um, I don't put a lot of them on uh, the Twitters because, I don't know, people like their privacy and stuff. But if you, uh, yeah, they're on my Patreon, but they're really fun. Um, and maybe I can release a couple of them to the Saturday Morning Discord channel as well, since you guys are interested. Uh, but yeah, <laughs> so uh, what are what are your Halloween plans this evening? Are you going to play some games? No, I, you know, I thought probably, um, but again, well, I guess I haven't really told them. My wife did have her surgery this week and everything was great and Good. went well. And, but that's kept her, you know, uh, chair bound or bed bound for while she heals. And then we're all super tired because (laughs) it's just like, she could only sleep for different fits, like a couple hours. Then we got to do stuff a couple hours and then do stuff. Mm -hmm. So just to get the therapy, because she's replaced a hip. So, um, I'm bushed. I'm whooped. I was hoping to maybe do some gaming tonight, but now I'm like, I might just be napping whenever chance I get. I might deal with some leaves outside, yeah. which you might hear our uh, yard people at various moments throughout our show driving their machinery all around. Because yep. <laughs> yeah. it is here in Michigan, it's just coming down like it's raining leaves right yeah. now. So no, I'm uh, yeah, I'm I, yeah. We my neighbors are the same way. Everybody has those leaf blowers, and for some mm-hmm. reason, it's always the, the weekend day. morning that they're like, <laughs> "Well, I better go out there," and yeah. I'm like, "Ah, oh, just when I want to do that." Uh, we didn't want to do anything because of COVID, too, because she's kind of compromised at the moment. Yeah. So we didn't want to do any, like, go to a friend's party or go. Yeah, well, even I if mean, was, like, if she just had surgery, you, know you don't want to do that anyway. Yeah. So, <laughs> so nope. uh, well, we, we have a lot to talk about, and uh, we'll, yeah. we'll try to get to all of it. Uh, I'm sure we will. First of all, uh, happy Halloween 
And I want to remind everyone that Death House is still a great Halloween one-shot, and it is free from Wizards of the Coast, an intro Mm -hmm. to Curse of Strahd. So if you do need something to run tonight, uh, consider that one. It's uh, level one D&D adventure, 5e, and it's really fun. So there you go. Um, Apparently there was some lore you should know. Yep. Now, I found some stuff that's out there that got released this week, all of it kind of Halloween-themed, which makes kind of sense. Mm -hmm. Uh, We had Strahd revamped got released on the 20th so that was last week yeah. or a couple days week before um and we had the lore you should know about barovia last week and then this week we had barovian monsters so if you want to fill that land of barovia with cool stuff you might go listen to chris perkins talk about barovian monsters i haven't even got a chance to look at it yet i just saw that they've got posted so i thought definitely our group would want to go and take a look at that because we're always looking for cool monsters to add to any of our campaigns mm-hmm. it really doesn't matter what where you put them So I thought that was cool. Another thing we didn't mention before was Dragon Plus um, magazine was out for this month. I think it was out a couple weeks ago. We we didn't put it on the show. But the things I saw in there, it's heavily Strahd revamped. Yeah, um, that's what they're pushing now. And now that it's released, we're getting all of the Tasha's stuff coming out. So Yeah, at the end of some of that is some Tasha stuff. But there is a thing in there that I thought was really cool called the D&D Annual 2021. And they talk about there's a lot of um, different pop culture stuff will put out an annual book that kind of sums up the year for that thing. Maybe it's a comic book annual or it's a, you know, there's all kinds of other yeah, things that do it besides it, role-playing. It's games, different yeah. from, uh, from what I understand, it's different from different in America. So this is a common yeah. thing that you find in the UK or parts of Europe is that. Yeah. This like, one is a UK. Yeah, thing, yeah. So if you, you do kind of a end of the year recap. So if you're really interested yeah. in, in a hop, like the, it might be like a, a, a football annual, or it might be mm-hmm. a, a TV show annual where it's just kind of like, this is what happened in the last year. And it's like a collector thing. Um, yeah. Whereas when I heard this, I was like, well, an annual to me means a collection of comics Right. Um, and I was very like, but D and D have they been putting out comics? I guess they have, and so very different. But yeah, I guess that's coming yeah. out. Um, and it's it's they, more they of listed a, what's in it. Yeah, go ahead. Um, about twelve bucks, so it didn't sound too bad for you know picking up something. It had in the the blurb I got from it itself. It is in in UK. The Dungeons and Dragons Annual Twenty Twenty One will cover four core areas: world and lore, gameplay, community, and activities. So I thought that's all kind of cool stuff that any dungeon master could use for any game type of game yeah. you're running. It's it's I saw mechanics in there. I saw creatures in there. I saw some different stuff and it was pulling things that had happened this year, kind of from different sources and stuff and putting it in there. It's a hardcover book. It's got, it looked like I had great artwork from the couple of shots they showed in dragon plus. So it definitely might be something to pick up. I might pick it up just to see, because yeah. it's not something I ever heard about before. I would so, encourage oh, you to do so. And then we can talk so. about it. Uh, on the show because uh, it, it didn't it didn't it wasn't something that I was like chomping at the bit for but I'm, I'm curious no, well, I didn't even know it existed <laughs> yeah, there you go and then talking about a book that I got 5e <gasps> compatible Ooh. the Coro Hall of Adventures this is a made by um, a gentleman who lives in Korea nice and he wanted to make a uh, Korean inspired supplement for 5e cool so it's all about how to play in a world that's very korean um flavored like mythology inspired yeah mythologies and a land to use how the people dress um what the architecture looks like i mean he really dives in um to going through this nice big um 272 pages artwork is beautiful um let me show there was a cool dragon in here if i can flip to it real quick lots of maps dragon boats were cool um, there's a couple of there's three or four extra classes that he created that are very um, medieval Korean inspired from you know ancient Korea stuff. Awesome. Um, if you want to learn like about the naming and stuff of stuff, oh, where's that dragon at? I don't should have had it open. Here's a cool picture though. I like this one too, which was the whoop, like the red tree oh, yeah. and the and the monk under it. So it was really cool. Pretty cool. It is the glossy one. I, I'm starting to think I like. Um, because we do shows and we do pictures of stuff. I, I like non-glossy. <laughs> the matte, yeah. Because <laughs> it's so easier to – but it's, it's nicely done. He, uh, I tweeted to him, and he, he said, we hope we have good games. with it. I would like to try it one time. I want to figure out how to say some of the names before I try to run something in it. But it looks <laughs> fantastic. And That's he's really got a lot cool. of story hooks and 
mythology and creatures. Lots of creatures are in mm-hmm. there. Um, magic items, all kinds of stuff. So a good supplement. Um, I'm glad I did the Kickstarter for it and finally got here. He did this back. It was interesting. He had started this. The Kickstarter had completed, and then COVID hit Korea. So remember, uh, they hit really locked down. Korea way yeah. before. It was like about a month before we even thought it was going to be here in America or anything. So he was talking about in his updates about what's happening in the town he's living in, how it's a ghost town and nobody's mm. out and they're on full lockdown. And I was like going through that before we had to do anything, just thinking, wow, that's crazy. I can't imagine anything like that. Not, you know, and then our February hits you know, or whatever. I'm like, oh, now I can imagine it. <laughs> so, but very cool guy. Very, very interesting book. So that was what I got. Um, I always love when a Kickstarter shows up because I didn't even know. I was like, you got to the mailbox and it just happens to be sitting there. You're like, oh, here it is. Yeah. Awesome. <laughs> That reminds me, I uh, enjoy it. uh, oh, and it's upstairs, so I can't show the cover. And I don't, okay, never mind. But <laughs> we'll talk about it next week. Next um, week. But uh, uh, in short, um, my Rod of Seven Parts friends, uh, my, my gaming group, they bought a uh, classic adventure that Gary Gygax wrote that has been revamped. And it's this really thick book, and it came in the mail, and I was like, what is this? And they were like, happy birthday. And I was like, oh, thank you. Um, so it was like uh, Lex and LB and uh, Ted from Nerd Immersion and uh, Brenna. And so uh, we got this, and I opened it up, and it's not just the adventure, but it's like a love letter to classic D&D. So it's this big, thick mm. book, and it's got um, the original AD&D adventure in it from like 1980. And then it has an updated version of it for uh, 5th edition. So you could run it for 5th edition. And then it has a bunch of like letters and essays and stuff of people who are like talking about the influence of this and like why it was game breaking. So if you're really interested in not, not just like the adventure itself, but like why was this so important when it came out? And this particular adventure, they're like, well, we had uh, Star Wars had just come out and like people were like, what? You can mix sci-fi and fantasy? And it was just like, this is great. So this mm-hmm. adventure, anyway, it's called uh, Expedition to something. Uh, I can't remember off the top of my head. Uh, but uh, it's... Barrier Peaks? Yes, Expedition to Barrier Peaks. Oh my yeah. God, that is a, yeah, that is a classic yeah. adventure. So um, <laughs> it's, uh, anyway, it was really fun and I've been flipping through it. And so I, thank you, friends. And I'll, we'll talk about it more when I get a chance to read it. But I, it's really fun just reading about all of these designers and how they're really interested in, uh, mm-hmm. like, yeah, this was totally influential. That one, that one felt pretty influential. Blowing up yeah. like crazy. And, oh, no. I'm supposed to not put it on mute because then my wife gets angry that I can't see her text messages. But that's mine is not on mute, so you may hear it also. But that'll be because the wife needs me. <laughs> so <laughs> that, it's just that kind of week, guys. You're gonna have uh, leaf blowing machines. You're gonna have. Wives who needs their husbands. It's just it's just going to happen. <laughs> uh, welcome, Skull Dixon. Always excited to have you here. Uh, so yeah, that's really cool. Um, what what's what's go, what's going on? Oh, D&D and to wrap us? up the video okay. things that I saw this week, um, and probably maybe prompted by the leak, so maybe they just shoved them out anyways. Yeah. D and D Beyond put out three because we all love D and D Beyond for building our characters. And they talked about the Warlock invocations. Again, I've not even had a chance to watch these. I'm only just saying, hey, guys, go check them out. I don't know what's in them. Um, Rune Knight, which I'm very excited. That was one of the ones that if my character dies in the current campaign, I may be looking at a Rune Knight to play because that one just seemed really cool to me. And then Fathomless Warlock, which I think is starting to grow on me a little bit too. The Mm -hmm. idea of playing a very Cthulhu-esque Warlock or the deep you know, kind of Warlock would be very cool. Um, so, and I got to play a warlock. I just haven't done it and I really should. So they have some videos yeah. about that. I'm sure it's going to start showing up on D and D beyond as far as when we start to be able to make characters. Cause that's going to be a huge explosion for D and D beyond a book like that is huge for their website. Cause all of a sudden, you know, I mean, people are going to jump on there and just make character after character, trying oh, yeah. things out and, and tweaking. So that's pretty big for them. So, um, so those were the videos I saw. Those were the, Extra ones. So Dragon Plus is out. Lori should know videos out. D&D Beyond's got three videos for some of the Tasha's tacos stuff coming up. Oh, those um, tacos. So go check that out. And then uh, we had some Unearthed Arcana pop up, which is kind of cool. Yeah. Um, and they're both dragon themed. And one dragon of them, themed. Monk and Ranger. And one is the Monk is the Way of the Ascendant Dragon. 
and the ranger mm-hmm. is the Drake Warden, which kind of is like a fix to the Beastmaster, maybe? I'm not really... Yeah. yeah. Like, it. I don't know. It was, I still think they're both valid, but yeah. Uh, but diving in, it uh, it looks it looks really fun. The the monk specifically, you you have like a breath attack, so you can mm-hmm. like punch, but turn your attack into draconic energy, so you can like you know spit lightning or fire or poison or something, which I thought was really cool. Different yeah. from the draconic sorcerer, where you choose like I am a descendant of a red dragon, so I can only do fire based things, or I get bonuses mm-hmm. to fire based things. This was like you just kind of feel it out. I feel like in one of them, you're becoming the dragon, right? You're, mm-hmm. you're the dragons inside you and you're releasing aspects of that dragon, mm-hmm. which I felt was a cool theme to have in, in as a subclass, you know, just this idea of a character that can, that could embody that. Mm-hmm. And then, like you said, the Ranger one is, is about understanding and cherishing dragons to the, to the point that you have a Drake companion, you know, yeah. just like, that's pretty cool. <laughs> Yeah, another thing, like, Step of the Wind, you get little spectral draconic wings, and you get a flying speed equal to your walking speed and stuff. So there's a lot of yeah. a lot of cool stuff. But yeah, the Drake Warden is you have a companion at third level. You get this, like, dragon that follows you around. Mm-hmm. Um, but it only lasts for, like, four hours or something. I was looking at it. Um, re- yeah, it remains a number of hours equal to your proficiency bonus. Um, or until it's at zero hit points. So uh, more of a, like, hey, we're coming up, uh, I, I want to use it in combat, but you don't get it for the full day, which I thought was interesting. Mm-hmm. And it starts out small, but then it gets uh, large eventually, and so you get this really <laughs> big dragon. And so I wonder when it is which large, is that where everybody's <laughs> going to climb on and the dragon's yeah. going to fly you around or something? So, yeah, uh, But it's got cool. it's got some cool attacks. It's always sad because, well, not sad, but the they fixed... Tasha's is going to fix a lot of summoning problems where mm-hmm. if you cast a spell at a higher level, it will um, be a more powerful summon. So if I, you know, I summon air elemental, but if I, it'll scale up with whatever spell level I'm doing. So it kind of scales up with the player as they get higher. The problem Which is what is, we've been missing. Yeah. But the problem yeah. with Ranger is they, they gave Ranger spell slots and I have a feeling they want to do the same thing, but they can't, put a really powerful first level ranger spell to summon yeah. you know it doesn't equate the same way because yeah because the rangers are like almost like half yeah they're the like paladins. type levels like, that yeah. you get yeah yeah so you can't do that because then you'll have bards who are better rangers because they can cast it at a much higher level and, and things like that so they have yeah. to make it in a, in a, a job class ability but then it has to be well does it level with your intelligence or your proficiency bone like ooh, and so it, mm-hmm. it's just kind of interesting it's it's a from a design standpoint it's a puzzle to solve and yeah. this is a, a step in the right direction so we'll see um we'll see how it goes but yeah. yeah just the idea that you can eventually have a dragon pet come on who doesn't yeah, want that's cool. you know a cool dragon pet like yeah. dms give your players some dragon pets <laughs> is the uh i think can find familiar can you have a pseudo dragon as one of your familiars or is that only I know as a warlock in a certain pact of the chain, mm. I believe it's the one that you can do, or is it? It's one of them that increases the. Um, I think because yeah, I had a pseudo dragon for my warlock, yeah, okay. for sure. Very cool, very cool. Um, yeah, we got lots of leaks, uh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, lots and of lots leaks. of leaks. Um, but before we get into all the Tasha's leaks, um, I, we all know in if. Uh, Danimal's watching, he can take a shot, but I uh, love Dungeon Crawl Classics and uh, Humble Bundle is doing a really good thing. This isn't sponsored or anything, but I will put an affiliate link in. Um, But uh, if you guys are interested in Dungeon Crawl Classics, there's like for $8, you get so many PDFs of adventures and the core book and things like that. So I'd I'd 100% recommend it. Um, It's it's super, super cool. So yeah, but now, uh, so apparently... Tasha's Cauldron of Everything, the entire book has leaked on the internet thanks to uh, Fantasy Grounds. Um, And I don't know the specific specifics, but from what I've read and heard, Fantasy Grounds accidentally pushed all of the Tasha's content to everybody who had, like, automatic updates. Not even, like, I pre-ordered it and I'm getting it. Like, they just accidentally just pushed it out. So they retracted it, but... It's on people's hard drives, so if you, you know, copied that info or pulled your 
your network cable, then they can't get it off of your computer, from what I understand. So uh, then somebody started taking screenshots, and they started sure. uploading screenshots to the internet. And I don't have a link for those screenshots, but if you search uh, Reddit, and specifically go to reddit.com slash r slash D&D leaks, you'll find the, the thing, and you can read along. Uh, and so I'm not hiding it, and I'm not suggesting uh, in our, either of these people. Nobody's suggesting piracy. Um, but specifically what we're curious about, like what's going to happen with the new things. So uh, we'll we'll touch on a couple of them. But you said, Lucian, you were excited about the Rune Knight, correct? The fighter yeah. subclass. So uh, that is in this book. Yay. And they've changed the prereq. The runes now have level prerequisites, kind of like warlock invocations. So mm-hmm. not just everything out of the gate. Um and then uh, there, yeah. So there's a couple of those things. Uh, your 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 giant might bonus scales up as you level and things like that. So yeah, it looks like everything that we kind of thought was going to be in here is um, mm-hmm. the one interesting thing that I thought uh, is that they added some new stuff to just regular classes. So and and I guess I should say these are all optional rules. We've said that before, but. Uh, not a different barbarian subclass, but just every barbarian will now get extra things at this level. Um, sure. Yeah. Rogues specifically, uh, at level three, rogues get an ability where they can have advantage on their next attack, thus granting them sneak attack in certain situations. So they can kind of like, once a short rest, I can just give myself advantage and have advantage on this. So there's there's little things like that, and, th- uh, and that advantage ability is just rogues. It's not tied to a specific subclass. So going forward, I wonder if D&D Beyond will have, like, classic setting or advanced <laughs> setting, because you're going to have the rogue either has that or doesn't based on what book you bought. It's kind of interesting. Yeah. Um, yeah, I'm guessing if it must, ha- you must have to toggle Tasha's for your campaign yeah. that you create. And then if it does that, you, you're saying I'm going to use the Tasha rules because I don't think I'm, I guess maybe you're going to assume that I'm not just going to use the optional subclass rule, but I want to use the original player's handbook thief. If I'm going to use the subclass of Tasha's, I might might as well use the updated thief ability right. in Tasha's yeah. also. So maybe that's just a toggle for them or. Boy, because that'd be a nightmare if not. Like, if well, it's a it's a pain to program. Between. Now that I think, like yeah. we we were <laughs> thinking about it hypothetically, where you're just like, oh my gosh, like if they start adding extra abilities, they you can't use your uh, subclass framework that you've built to kind of mm-hmm. like, okay, I've got to program this. Now you have to like retroactively go in and re. Oh man, and so uh, it's it's kind of interesting, um, but yeah. So I, you know, that's kind of cool. Uh, a lot of the ones we're getting uh, mythic odyssey. Blah, 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 blah. Mythic odyssey. Does it show of all twenty two? All twenty two what? Subclasses? Did it show twenty two subclasses? Yeah. Were we correct? And it's twenty two. Twenty two new right. subclasses and five Ooh. reprinted subclasses from other books, not nice. including Artificer. Um, the nice. reprinted subclasses are Order of Domain Cleric, uh, Circle of Spores Druid. College no. of Eloquence Bard, Oath of Glory mm-hmm. Paladin, and the Blade Singing Wizard. Blade right, Singing Wizard blade is singing now, um, it's been updated for uh, a couple of things. I think you can do a cantrip and an attack, and non elves can be Blade Singers. So I thought that was really cool. That, that you, is, sounds cool. You have multi attack, and you could choose well, my first one's going to be a cantrip, and my second one will be a sword attack, or vice versa which really opens up a lot of interesting things of yeah um, kind of uh, what is it like blade ward or something that nobody likes that cantrip that just mm-hmm. gives you advantage on an attack or a cantrip that gives you uh, blade ward. No, you take half damage from yes. blade ward is you take half damage from piercing bludgeoning right. and slashing. So if I could be a, a blade singer wizard and, so Ted is a blade singer in my game and he's really the tank. He casts haste on himself. His AC is mm-hmm. up the, the wazoo because of blade song and stuff. Now, if he did that as well, like I'm going to use my first attack to cast and it just says any cantrip. I thought it had to be a damaging cantrip, but yeah, mm-hmm. but you could, you know, anyway, so it's funny you say that because in Baldur's gate three, I was just reading about a, a ranger build called the ranger Knight, 
And in Baldur's Gate 3, because it's fifth edition stuff, mm-hmm. they're talking about in that you can cast a cantrip and then you can use your offhand. But if you take two weapon fighting, your offhand can still hit as hard as a regular hand. But then you use the cantrip to cast the blade ward to give you halves on damage. And then you still get to hit with a pretty solid, hefty swing. Mm-hmm. And you've got the other ranger stuff that you're putting on there, like Colossus Slayer and all this other stuff. All of a sudden, this is ranger that's wearing heavy armor, fighting with two weapons and throwing cantrips here and there. That is just a monster in Baldur's Gate 3, the game. It's a cool build. Mm-hmm. And now that you said that, I think, oh, I, I bet I bet Ted was looking at some of those things you could do in Baldur's Gate 3, too. Like, oh, <laughs> I, could, I could do this stuff. This is kind of cool. Yeah. Because that- I hadn't seen anybody use Blade Warden forever. And all of a sudden, it's popped up like, five or six times this week i've been seeing yeah. people talk about blade work yeah no so i, I like the idea that i could be like i could still attack but have a defensive stance kind of a thing i like that um, so that true strike is the other one i was thinking of like maybe you really need to hit and so i don't know you still get two attacks it's it's probably a useless cantrip i i'd like to make it work but it might um, not be now there yeah there's some interesting ones that you see people never really take mm-hmm. until somebody comes up with something cool. The other thing they had with that Ranger Knight is they gave him jump. Now in Baldur's Gate 3, you get three times your normal jump length. So in the game, when the combat starts, your Ranger leaps to where their weakest character is and just lays into them and is bouncing all around and doing some cool stuff in that game. And now I started making me think, oh, I want to be able to do this in regular dungeons. How do I make 5e really do this? Because there's a few tweaks in that game that you can't necessarily do in 5e, but maybe with tacos you can. So I don't know. It's we'll funny because I've played an Eldritch Knight fighter and mm-hmm. that whole cantrip thing, uh, they specifically have mechanics where I can, I think at level 10 or something, you can cast a cantrip and then as your bonus action attack. But a regular fighter can attack at level 11 or something, they can attack three times with extra attack and then four with a, with a bonus action. So So you're, you're either doing a cantrip and an attack or four attacks. And I want this ability for me to be able to use one of my four attacks at like, if I could cast a spell as a, or not a spell, but if I could cast a cantrip as a bonus action and still get my four attacks in, that's what what I want for the Eldritch Knight. So I was part of me. It's, and it's only because I've played an Eldritch Knight that I was like, well, I want this. I want the Blade Singer ability for my my Eldritch Knight, uh, and it's not there. But Salovey, I guess you could get it though if you multiclass, right? Because Blade Singer well, falls have, under yeah, the Wizard. I'd have to multiclass to level six though. Oh, okay. That's a lot. That's a lot. You're, okay. sac- yeah. you're sacrificing a lot. So that yeah, you're not getting your four attacks until way later. But anyway, so. Um. Yeah. So well, I can't wait. I, I we could probably have a whole show when it actually releases, and we both have our books in front of us, and we we've will, had it yeah, for maybe we'll a week, and then we can talk about all the builds we've been coming up with over the week. You know, that's where we could do a whole Tasha's Cauldron but show. Yeah. I'm sure all the new subclasses are have previously appeared in Unearthed Arcana within the last year and a half. Um, mm-hmm. I'll just go over kind of the things. There's some class variants. Uh, all subclass options have to work for all of the worlds in D&D, so they're trying to make it all fit together. So that's why they're tweaking the Artificer a little bit. Um, but yeah. Oh, and Ranger specifically, they're going to have an alternate class feature. So the Beastmaster Ranger can now choose to have a, a primal companion feature instead of the Ranger's companion, which the primal companion is you have a a stat block that represents a beast of land, sea, or sky, and you command it as a bonus action. So it's kind of taking the Drake Ward stuff, and you have like an elemental spirit that that takes the manifestation of of an animal and helps you out. Which is what Um, every ranger wants. Yeah. Um, Well, a lot of people just, I mean, it's kind of morbid to be like, oh, my badger died i'll go into the woods and get a new one oh, you're gonna die yeah. for me too so this way yeah. it, it just feels better <laughs> even though mechanically it probably works very similar so yeah 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 because i had um i did my cavalier halfling and so i wanted to use a big mastiff as the cavalier halfling but i immediately upon thinking how cool this um class was going to be realized the danger i would be putting the, the mount in i just thought I had to talk to my DM because I'm just like, I don't want to do anything where the dog's getting hurt. So I don't even want it to attack. I don't want it to do, I'll take negatives or whatever if you want. 
I just want, it's part of the theme of the character. I'm not trying to do it to get any benefit or any mm-hmm. special cool thing. I just, it's just part of the theme, the look of the character that I thought was cool. And I know your wife would sympathize because she also has her Corgi, which she, I'm sure yeah. her, her, her Corgi mount that she does not want anything to happen to. And I totally agree with her in that. I just want to be able to play the game and nothing happens to, yeah. you know, the, the Mastiff I'm riding around. Yeah. <laughs> we, we did a lot of, uh, homebrew that because she was just like you can't kill the dog and i was like i understand no. <laughs> but uh i i said if he ever goes to zero hit points i was like he doesn't make death saving throws and then afterwards uh you can spend a spell slot to like bring them back to full health kind of a thing so yeah. and if you don't have spell slots, you, just... you rest and then they come back and so we i was i just kind of took it out of the equation so yeah yeah i was thinking just store even storyline no matter what happens it always escapes it just runs after oh, everybody's yeah. down it's gone and if anybody does get back up, he eventually comes back and finds them. And then mm. you go from there type of thing. But that's that's how I was going to handle it in my head. If anybody ever brought something up yeah. like that at the table, it's just like, don't worry. The story's always going to make sure they they get away. <laughs> <laughs> um, we have some new spells. Uh, uh, this is not new because it came out in uh, Icewind Dale, Rime of the Frost Maiden, but Blade mm-hmm. of Disaster. Have you heard of this spell? No. Okay, Sounds so cool, this is a ninth level conjuration spell for wizards. Ooh, and you you summon a sword, but the sword is actually a hole in the fabric of reality. So it's a yes, it's please. a mini black hole that you have. And so as you cut <laughs> into people, you do like crazy amounts of damage. Um anyway, that's getting reprinted in Tasha's really cool all spell. Really, really cool spell. <laughs> you Lots do all of the damage. you crit on like a 19 or an 18 with it. And it, when you crit, you do like four <sighs> times the dice. It's really cool. That's so good because it finally creates it finishes off the one build I've been wanting to make, which was a dual wielder that had a sun blade. But I wanted to do the shadow blade and the sun blade. But now I could do that. Yeah. And yeah. that would be a black this one, hole I think, in the flies sun. Around oh and my stuff. god. Yeah, that's really cool. <laughs> Um, super cool green fr- green flame blade lightning lure those are sword coast adventure cantrips that are getting reprinted mm-hmm. uh there is a couple spells that i'm interested in like uh tasha's caustic brew and tasha's otherworldly guys uh those are first and sixth level spells and uh i'm i'm curious about those because i just those are new new fun spells because you're a wizard yeah because i am you're a wizard, wizard harry <laughs> Oh, we haven't even talked about this, but my DM is starting a new campaign that he's writing from scratch. So we're currently playing in Wildmount, but he's like, I want to do this right. whole make my own world thing. And I'm like, oh. oh, I can't fit another game in, but I want to play in it so bad. And I already made a druid that I want to play. And I was like, ah, oh, this is just, <laughs> this is bad news bears. Um, a bunch of new feats in Tosh's. A lot of these feats are uh, how you kind of, pseudo multi-class so it's like oh you want to be eldritch adept so you can kind of take this feat and you get a couple warlock abilities but you don't have to multi-class into warlock so mm-hmm. we we knew those were coming and so there's what that. about the racial racial modifier rule part how did that actually read out yeah um we have i'm looking at all of the stuff because um, we're all we're kind of guessing i think we kind of knew where they were going but we weren't sure so, boy, I should have looked at this beforehand, but I was taking oh, care yeah, of my child. Um, these are all the things. Yeah, I don't see it specifically. Changing your mm-hmm. subclass. Uh, maybe this is it. just all of the, the basics. Yeah, I don't know. So, I mean, I think, it, I think we kind of knew that, so maybe that's why it's not in here, or maybe I'm just not seeing it. But specifically, the uh, Adventure League stuff came out. And that was mm-hmm. kind of like, okay, uh, if you have a plus two and a plus one, you can rearrange them to whatever you want. And then certain uh, abilities you can swap. So uh, if you have a tool proficiency, that could you could lose that and it could become a language. Or if you mm-hmm. have a weapon proficiency, you can swap that for any other weapon, which is kind of huge because if you're a, um, like, if I'm an elf, if I'm playing an elf, and I have a longsword proficiency, but every longsword I want to use is strength-based, and I'm mm-hmm. a dex-based whatever, I could be like, well, can I swap that out for a scimitar? And it's like, oh, sure. Yeah. And so now I have a scimitar, which is dex-based, and I can... So I like that a lot. So you can kind of fine-tune your thing. And finally, I will be able to play that transmutation wizard that is a dwarf. I've been wanting to play that for a long time. So 
Uh, I've been hearing about can, this one for a If I can time. put it into intelligence, <laughs> then all of a sudden I can play it. So, yeah. yeah but cool. really cool. Uh, th- again, that comes out this uh, November 17th, I think, uh, right before Thanksgiving in America. And then it yeah, will be December 1st for Europe. Um, because of uh, COVID, they announced Wizards of the Coast said that there's going to be some problems getting that out to everybody. So, uh, but yeah, crazy. It's it's actually not that far off. No, it's it's <laughs> yeah, like uh, I mean, what three weeks? Yeah, three weeks. So three it'll weeks. be it'll be here. Um, so yeah, Fantasy Grounds. There, it's all. It looks really cool. Uh, you can now pre-order it on D and D Beyond. There was a lot of speculation about what the hell's going on with that. Uh, because everyone was like, usually you can pre-order it, like whatever. But for some reason, they they delayed that until Waited. now. Maybe it was just um, a lot of work they were doing. They probably, I mean, we're talking about twenty-two yeah. subclasses, changes in the classes, extra spells, feet. I mean, you're putting well, so much into that. That's a big thing for them. I think they were like, you know what? We want you to promote this Strahd book that we're revamping, as Don't opposed let it get to in the way. yeah. So now that Strahd's out, all of a sudden you can pre-order Tasha's. And I was like, okay. And they, and they know it's going to sell. They don't need to pre-order it like two months in advance yeah. kind of a thing. So so I have my copy pre-ordered uh, both on D&D Beyond and a physical book. So I'm excited for that. Very uh, cool. Yeah. And then uh, out of nowhere, I hear Matt Koval yeah. released a video. Mr. <laughs> Mr. Matt, one of our favorites, uh, one of our early guests on the show back in the day. Um, he did his next, um, you know, run in the game and it was called the DM is also the player is also a player. And he really talks about being a dungeon master when you get stuck, uh, what happens with writer's block, or you feel like you, you don't have the energy to run the next session. And he kind of analyzes why that might be happening and what's going on and gives you some tips and hints on how to get past it or around it or what to do with it. And I thought it was really good because even I was sitting back and, and I, I had all the same feelings or had all the same things happen at various different times that I'm running campaigns or playing different things. And then something just kind of runs out of you, just that energy to keep going. And he talks about how to analyze that and figure out where that mm-hmm. came from and what it is and then get it back kind of in that way of, you know, what, what is, is really kind of boils down to what makes you excited. Um, so it was really good. Matt always has a great way of describing a concept that maybe we, have heard before or have heard somebody else do it, but he does it in such a way that it really lands home when I hear it. Like I probably heard this a couple of times from other people, but it didn't hit until this time I listened to Matt talk about it. I'm like, Oh, okay. Now it makes total mm-hmm. sense to me. Now I get it. <laughs> so, and he always puts out a good quality video. Um, yeah. I so saw, go check that out. I saw Slifer flourish was talking about it too, because uh, it was just kind of, you know, dungeon masters are players too. Like there's a reason that yeah. we like doing this, you know, it's not just this slog. Yeah. So, eventually other people will run games for us. And so mm-hmm. um, I was excited. I'm excited. Just to resonate. It. I just have to get around to doing it. So <laughs> yeah, very cool. We'll, um, we'll put it yeah. on you and your son's um, watch list. Cause I'm sure he'll want to watch it too. Yeah. Make him uh, a Coville <laughs> fan <laughs> right away. Um, which, uh, yeah, this will transition into, uh, Ooh, I'm kicking my, my speaker. Okay. This will transition mm-hmm. into our Bardic inspiration for the week. <laughs> I'm just going to sing it out. Spooky bardic inspiration. Spooky uh, bardic. That will hopefully be spooky. Um, We need a Halloween one. That's what I, yeah, that's what I want to do. I just, (laughs) I just didn't know what to do yet. All right. Start working on the Thanksgiving one and the Christmas one. (laughs) I was kidding. Um, No, I was, I was thinking how much I don't like the fear mechanic in D&D 5e. So this is my bardic inspiration. Read it out. Yeah. Give me the fear mechanic. What is, well, I think you just have disadvantage and you can't get closer but you know what i'm gonna i'm gonna look it up and we're gonna talk about fear is it the one where you, where if you if you can you have to take the dash action and run away or is that frightened that is a, frightened. well that is a different um that is version different. of the fear yeah. yeah um okay frightened i guess is what i was talking about yeah so a frightened if you have this status effect a frightened creature has disadvantage on ability checks and attack rolls while the source of fear is within line of sight. And the creature can't willingly move closer to its source of fear. So you don't have to run, but you can't get closer. Now, it is confusing because the uh, uh, channel divinity that clerics can do, 
reads similar but different. It yeah, reads yeah, very yeah. similar, but creatures have to take the dash action to get away from you. And some creatures, yeah. when they apply the frightened condition, uh, it also adds that. So certain yeah, dragons there's like will an be NPC like, version yeah. that's a little bit yeah. 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 So, uh, but what would be more interesting? Let's brain. I don't actually have an answer for this. I was just thinking. I'm like bardic inspiration. Well, bardic how inspiration. do we make frighten more? Um, well, like I don't. I, like the I don't idea. want it. I don't. I want yep. it to be. I don't know what mechanic would give you an actual spooky sense. Like if you're going to use this in, and I, I don't know, maybe the obvious answer is uh, sanity points from Cthulhu or something like that. But um, mm-hmm. I don't know. What What do you think? Well, I think like frightened. I like the idea that um, if your character is frightened, what is happening to you? Like you're making we- weird decisions, right? You're making mm-hmm. you're you're not making the normal decisions you you normally would people aren't really able to talk you out of and just say, no, 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 it's just a ghost, Jordan. Just keep going down the hallway. And you're like, once you've become frightened, it's pretty hard to become unfrightened at that point. So I like the idea that you get disadvantage when you're trying to do certain things. Um, I like how that stays in there. Um, I don't know about the running away part though. That's, That's the part that doesn't feel as fun to me in a game when you tell the player they have to run, or even is there a chance for them to face their fear like, I almost feel like there should be, like, a, an action that's, like, face your fear, but there's a consequence. If you're not able to do it, then maybe it gets a little worse. Like, you get a minus one or two or something on a, on die rolls or mm-hmm. something. So there's risk and reward to it. But also, when you said insanity points, made my mind start going towards, okay, what if you're accumulating more and more to the point you just become a vegetable at some point? You're just, like, you're a ball on the ground crying <laughs> and you're done. Yeah. You're like, this is just too much. I'm done. You know, I can't, I can't handle it anymore. So I, that's kind of interesting too. And then how do you get rid of those points or can you get rid of those points? What kind I, of quirks go with that? Yeah. And I was, uh, so somebody was talking about, uh, well, Skull Dixon here was talking about doing um, like a random roll table. And mm-hmm. I, I, that is, uh, so the, the, the spell confusion does that, I'm pretty sure. Like, when you're confused, you roll to see if you save, and then if you don't, you roll on a table to see what you do, and you could just stand there, you could, like, walk over there. But yeah. that might be the direction that I want to go. So More let's say okay. let's say I get I get the frightened status on my character in D&D, um, and combining the things that you said, what if uh, I could take my full action to confront my fear. And in doing that, you roll another save. And that save, if you conquer your fear, you are no longer frightened and you can move and do stuff. But if you, uh, if you don't conquer your fear, then you're still frightened. Or I could say, I don't want to waste a whole turn getting over this frightened condition. What if instead um, I'm going to uh, I'm gonna do my attacks? So uh, we have a random table that we would roll on. And it would determine if you're successful. So let's say, uh, let's say I roll a d10, and it says uh, this turn you can't take bonus actions because you're too scared, or this turn uh, you have disadvantage on attacks because you're shaking too much, or this turn you're paralyzed, or th- because of the fear, mm-hmm. or this turn you do run, or this turn you don't have movement but you can still do your other stuff. So I like that because as a as a player, I can make that choice. Otherwise, boy, being scared is really annoying and really frustrating. Uh, but as far as like D and don't, I don't find it to be, you know, scary, like the frightened condition. Yeah. Um, what about, I just had something pop up. What about if when you're frightened or whatever, if you want to use fear or frightened, which whatever one you want to switch, what if you, to simulate that is that you do half damage when you hit because you're, you're not putting all your strength behind it. You're mm-hmm. not really trying to do too much you're still willing to do something, but it's like not your full effort because you're frightened of this thing. So you do half damage, but you get a bonus to AC because you're so jittery and and you're ready to dodge anything at the moment's notice that it's actually harder to hit you because you're so skittish. So now you have like almost like, and now the player has to think about, was this a good thing or a bad thing? Because I'm kind of getting a good thing. I get a little bit higher AC, but it's terrible. I'm only getting half damage when I hit something Or, or even with movement. Maybe with the fear, you can half speed towards the thing that you're feared, but you can double speed away. 
Yeah, you can run away yeah. quicker, but you can only go half speed towards it or some some yeah. weird I do things like that. like that where you're getting a, it almost feels like a bonus and almost feels like a negative. But then the players have this idea of, well, how can I use that or how would my character use that or or maybe just bring the characters into it and say, I want you you get rewarded for playing into your fear. So maybe it's not about you creating mechanics that mm-hmm. force them to do it. But maybe it's about rewarding them when you say, okay, you're frightened. I'm not even going to tell you what that means. Yeah. I want your character to do what they would do when they're frightened, and I will reward you if you do it. So then they can say, I make dumb mistakes. I decide to run this way, or I decide to drop my weapon, or I do whatever, because in their mind, that's what the frightening of their character is going to do. And then they get a reward for for buying into that. And if they don't want to play into it, you know, you could just follow the regular rules and, and nothing's going on. So I wonder if that might be another route. That you could go no that definitely could be a, a really good route because that encourages a mechanical way for to have fun role-playing and i like yeah that. yeah so it's like i'm gonna yeah, give a reward you, for for yeah. leaning into your yeah. this problem and, and, lean, and thinking it through same thing with uh uh, uh inspiration from a dm like yeah. oh that was a really good role-play scene like here you go but yeah what if what if you had a <sighs> A bunch of D4s or something. So every time they did run away or they did that, you give them D4s. And then when they want to conquer their fear, they can cash in all those D4s to do extra damage or a hit or something. So I like that. I do like that. Or, yeah, like a D4 where they can roll the number of times they can try to... Maybe that's what they do. They roll the D for it to figure out how many times they're allowed to try to break break free from it. Or like you said, a, a cash in mechanic. But I like the idea that if they buy into it, maybe their reward is you earn inspiration. Mm-hmm. Like if you say, okay, uh, this happened, your character's now frightened. If you lean into it, you can have inspiration mm-hmm. and let them just go wild. Let them really try to pull out all the stops to impress you enough to say, okay, yep, yeah, you earned inspiration, you know, for whatever happens later on. And I think that'd be really fun and cool. Yeah. And I, you know, I, now that I think about it, maybe this isn't something like, I don't want to replace the whole mechanic of of frightened in D&D 5e but what mm-hmm. we're talking about we could easily apply to a specific monster and yeah. like that monster does this type of frightened condition to you uh mm-hmm. and so if you wanted to do a you know horror themed kind of uh halloween spooky time game yeah uh, that would if be they fun. try to game it you know they're not trying to lean into it they're not really role playing it that's okay you're not punishing them or you're not trying to create rules yeah. you just roll with the normal stuff but if they're willing to let their character lean into the psyche of what's happening mm. then give them that reward so that the other everybody else decides when it happens to them they've got their own version of what hap- what happens when you know joshua is super frightened when he truly meets the the most frightening thing he's ever seen or you know or your your um your root not your rune knight but your eldritch knight or you know that dwarf you've been wanting to be what's yeah. the one thing that it's the balrog and when the balrog shows up your guy falls apart or whatever yeah. it is you know whatever well i mean is. all those characters are so cool that they're not scared of anything. they don't have any so, fears yeah right? i don't know that's a so it's a bad analogy but i i think i understand what you're trying to say so yeah none of them are scared. i'm good <laughs> um well, well sir do you have a bardic inspiration that you would like I, to talk about I had last week's, um, we did a really good one last week. I thought we had a real, a lot of fun with it. And I had a second one just in case, but I thought, well, I'll just keep that one. Um, and we have, and I told it was kind of a fake or a a pseudo one because we have talked about dungeon world in the past Mm -hmm. or a world that was all dungeons. Um, it's this idea where the dungeons are living things, right? Um, they're creatures that have through Darwinism or, you know, ecology, uh, have grown to, to figure out that the way they can extract essence from creatures is, um, or I, I guess you would build a biology around it. And I was thinking that was cool. What if all of the dungeons were basically like a plant-based creature that started almost like the, the Venus flytrap, right? And there was just fields of them. And you had the normal one that acts normally and it has a, a red ish thing that attract insects. But then Certain ones weren't, that wasn't working. So they developed something that attracted other types of creatures even more, right? So then they were mimicking uh, a fruit or something, and then a monkey would try to grab it. And that's how this bigger Venus flytrap would. So you can kind of go through the evolution of it, that it finally turns into the one that is dragging people in and, and getting essence from it. And I thought it was really cool if, if people had essence or mana 
or the weave is going in through them or whatever. That's what's being pulled out of them when they're inside a dungeon. Mm -hmm. So a dungeon wants, after you go through all the ecology of it, you get it set in your head. What a dungeon wants is adventuring groups to be inside their dungeon as long as possible. Because the longer they're there, the longer they can feed off them. But they don't want to kill them because then it's just a barren desert and they'll die. If they kill too many and nobody goes in, they wither and die and that doesn't work either. So they can't necessarily kill them off, but they want them to stay there as long as possible. And how do they attract them? By creating magical things that they all want to come and get. Now they don't care about coins or magic items and stuff, the dungeons themselves, but they know it will attract the thing that's going to, they're going to feed off of. So it's like this idea that it's a parasitic entity that is drawing creatures in trying to keep them there as long as possible, but has a true reason not to kill them off, I guess is what you're getting at. And yeah. then if that if you have that creature and it starts to spread all around your world, then you have basically what's this called a world, you know, a dungeon world or a world of dungeons. And I just thought it was a really interesting way. And maybe you give them intelligence. Maybe they have societies and they break themselves up into nature-based dungeons, elemental-based dungeons, all this other stuff. And maybe they have factions and they have rules and they have wars and they can they can do all these different things. Um, it's I just thought it would be a cool kind of idea for a campaign setting where you're in a world where that's the norm. Like it's not, you know, everybody just knows that there are dungeons out there and they're creatures that feed off your essence and they have cool things in them if you're willing to go in and try to get them. But some people have died and it is still can be dangerous. Where are you willing to go out and do it? The rewards are high, but the risks are high too. Yeah, so it, I just thought. It, uh, a lot of people in chat were talking about, uh, it sounds like a, a dungeon mimic. Um, yeah. And so like the whole dungeon is a mimic. And yeah. I like, I like that where it's, uh, it, it is just kind of, how do I, how do I eat more people? Well, I gotta, I gotta mm-hmm. make, um, coins and I gotta make magic items and you gotta dangle that lure in front of things, people. And, and even, mm-hmm. um, so all, this whole conversation, I'm a big Star Trek fan. I'm a huge nerd. <laughs> and there is a Star Trek Voyager episode where they find, uh, a wormhole that takes them home through the, through space Right. But when they go they in, think. they find out that it's this huge bioorganism that eats ships. And mm-hmm. but the ship puts images in your head, make it disguises itself as something that it's not. And so mm-hmm. uh that's what I was thinking of this. Like what if what if that's the whole you know, like, oh yeah. my gosh, we found uh like even if it's just something like, oh, if this is exactly what we need, it's it's a giant uh, mm-hmm. spa and we can rest here we can do all this other stuff but once they get in they can't figure out how to leave and they're slowly losing <laughs> hit points and every time they rest they're not healing and it's yeah. like oh we're we're slowly being digested like this is interesting and they have to figure out how to get out of there but every time they find an exit it's actually more of the inside and that could be a whole fun campaign so dungeon mimic yeah. I think that's what we need to do It'd be pretty cool yeah. so that was kind of the one I was coming up with it does come from a book it's not necessarily my own idea and the, the cool thing that in the book that I was reading, the storyline was the dungeons had nearly wiped themselves out because they had fed too much on the human population. Mm-hmm. So they created an accord with each other that they were not allowed to build their dungeons, their factions. They all agreed to it within like a five mile radius of any city or town that have humans in it. Humans are the only things they could feed off of because they had the most rich essence they were pulling out of them and they used the towns were basically just like they let them build their town yeah but in the minds of the dungeon they were just cattle farms or whatever mm. so they the dungeons would circle around the, the the complete circle around any of humanity and they would let them feed off them and then they would they had created this accord where they would breed more dungeons so the younger ones got to be a little bit closer but then the older ones had to stay a little bit further out mm. but then the older ones knew better ways to attract adventurers with better stuff and better materials. So mm-hmm. it was like, like this, the, the author had obviously thought about how would this whole thing work where the rules are, you can't kill the prey you want. You want to feed off them, but you don't want to kill them outright. Right. Yeah. And when you take that stance, you, you get like, like what you just talked about and all kinds of other ideas that come around that. I just thought it was cool, mm-hmm. a cool concept for a campaign. So uh, no, I, a very I like interesting one to really cool. <laughs> or just a whole world of dungeons everywhere you go. Dungeons, dungeons, dungeons. 
I just love that. <laughs> Dungeon World. Dungeon World. Not the book, not the game. Not the game. <laughs> the, the, the campaign actual world. Yeah, yeah. Uh, well, cool. What what uh, what games have you been playing? How's uh, Mad Mage going? You Speaking know of I've dungeons. been playing. Yeah, <laughs> well, you, you have the most of them, but... Uh, Dungeon of the Mad Mage, which is probably why dungeons are on my mind. I love dungeons. I'm I'm a dungeon player. I know other players. They'll say I loved RP and I love to be in the tavern. I was just listening to. Um, oh, that's what you should call it. Dungeons all the way down. That's dungeons the name of your campaign down. setting. Zris, <laughs> uh, you way. win. That's a great name. <laughs> and uh, you know, some people are into that. I was just I was listening to a live play group where they were talking about their own game, and they're they're on Twitch and they've got a pretty good following. And they said they were surprised that they did a downtime episode and their fans love that even more than when they were fighting stuff or doing other stuff, because the cast was really diving into the RP of, you know, shopping around town or hanging or just doing weird and crazy things in town. So now their whole show has been become more about downtime stuff and, and doing those kinds of things, <laughs> leaning into the RP of that. And they're just having a ton of fun. And I just, in my mind, it just makes me realize that I'm a dungeon delver. They're an RP person, you know, and then there's the other person that's big into stories or big into mysteries or big into, you know, whatever it might be. So there's all kinds of different ways that you can play. But Dungeon of the Mad Mage is what I've been playing. We're, we're on level three, which I think is going to be a big level. Um, we had that situation where as dungeon masters, I think many of us have ran into where your players get to a gigantic fight they use every single one of their resources. They're still three layers down into wherever they're supposed to be. And they want to take that long rest because they've blown everything. Spell slots are gone. Every Mm -hmm. ability they've used is gone. We need to rest. All the hit points are down low. People have dropped, you know, all that stuff. So they're going to wait for, you know, eight, nine, 10 hours before their rest is over. Um, And now you're going to pop up, but then the dungeons reacted to you. And now there's just as big a fight you just got done fighting happens mm-hmm. again because you've been sitting there for so long that this thing's been building up and ready to attack you. And then right. you get attacked. So now we just blew what just happened to us. We, we fought, used everything. Something decided to come and get us again. We just fought and used everything. And we're like five minutes outside of the last long rest. Yeah. Now what do you do? Now we're like, well, we need the long rest because half our party's down. Everybody's used every ability we're out of resources. What do you do at that point? And so it's interesting. How do you handle, I don't know if you've done this much with the games you've been running back to back rest periods because there's been back to back big fights. Um, so anytime, if, if they're in a dangerous situation, I roll um, a D 12 and their sleep is interrupted uh by a medium encounter or a difficult encounter based if it's an 11 or a 12. So they have a one in six chance of, of having an encounter. Mm-hmm. Um, and in uh, Hot Springs Island that I ran, because that game had very specific time measurement, we had these poker chips. I've talked about it before that you, yeah. it's like, okay, two hours have gone by, you remove a poker chip. Every time they wanted to do a rest, I would roll a D12 and it would be on a 12, a short rest on a 12, they would have an encounter. When they do a long rest, I would do that. Um, I would roll the 11 or 12. So that's how I handled it. Because Mm -hmm. you're right, a lot of times they're just like, well, I'll take a long rest. I burn through all my cell slots. And you need to, I think part of the fun of the game is learning how to uh, resource management. You know, right. not not just like going through my hit dice, but going through spell slots and things like that. You kind of have to learn mm-hmm. like, oh, maybe I shouldn't. I've got these long rest abilities. Maybe I shouldn't just use them a whole bunch. And, um, you know, it's interesting because like Monk's Key comes back on a short rest and yeah, uh, spell slots for back. a warlock come back on a short rest. So I've actually run into that problem more than long rests because a lot of times they're just bunch like, well, I've rests. already used my I've already I want to do mm-hmm. another short rest. And so. There needs to be that, well, you guys could keep exploring um, or there's going to be a risk that you do this, you know. And, yeah. Uh, and, and time crunches are good, too, because a lot of times uh, I had I had my friends in a that inverted pyramid that I always talked about, that floating inverted pyramid uh, back in the day. Uh, that was, you know, every time they, they would be like, well, I'm kind of indecisive. I'm like, oh, you feel a rumble. You feel a shake. And so my 
the point I was trying to get across is like, there's a ticking clock. Like if you guys want to spend a week here, you can, but he's going to reach the city and he's going to demolish the city while you guys are inside safe here. Do you want that to happen? Mm -hmm. So, yeah. Um, But if you're, if you're treating it like a danger room where everyone is like, oh, you can kill everything and then go out, have a cup of coffee, rest up tomorrow. You'll do the exact same thing. Yeah. 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 Your players are going to let, they're going to allow you to treat it like a danger room because they want to get all their stuff back. So, and you have to think about, I think some, when you start to talk about dungeons that are going multiple layers thick, like if you start to get down to level five or level six, the idea that they're going to leave and come back is just not going to happen. So it's more and more the idea that they are going to take rest where they're at. Yeah. And then they are not, if you keep throwing really hard encounters at them to the point that they have to use every single resource to get through it, mm-hmm. they're going to do it. You know, many will just use them willy nilly. But these ones, we wouldn't have got out of them if we had not used every single possible ability we had. We almost died in the first one. Yeah. They almost died in the second one. <laughs> so it was like, I, and I was thinking in my head, if we keep getting those types of encounters, we're never leaving this room. We're staying yeah. in this room and, and sleeping <laughs> the whole time as, as the dungeon empty out. On us. So as a dungeon master, I think you got to kind of watch or keep an eye on how mm. tough you're, if you want them to go through multiple encounters, then they have to be certain, the type of uh, level of difficulty that they can get through a few of them before they make their rest. So they can do two or three of those and then rest. But if you're putting on, you know, such difficulties to try to make the fight hard on them, but it's so hard they can't even get past that without having to rest again, There, I think you know, there's an equilibrium to keep an eye on there. So, And I, I've fallen victim to it myself by wanting my players to be challenged during the combat. But then I forget if you say you want to challenge them, then they're going to want to rest after that big challenge. Again. Yeah. So, you know, it's kind of like, so that was the thing that kind of popped up. And I was thinking a lot about over the week when we played on Tuesday, but other than that, that was about the game I played. What about Jordan's game? I know we're towards the end of our show, but it's a holiday. You know, we can go ahead and <laughs> you over. Yeah, no, uh, I, I played two games. I ran a Dungeon Hall Classics game for my uh, my birthday, which was fun. And we streamed right. that on um, on the YouTube channel. Mm-hmm. And, sorry, a little tired. Got to stretch out there. Okay. Uh, mm-hmm. But, yeah, that was a lot of fun. We did People of the Pit, so my players were level one. And... Um, I, I ended up skipping a lot of it uh, because we just, the way they were playing and we were kind of like just casually having a conversation and stuff that uh, I was like, we're going to be here till like two in the morning um, mm-hmm. playing this. So I ended up skipping uh, like levels three, two and three, a little bit of that. Um, and uh, mm-hmm. But they were clever and they bypassed a couple of fights and we had some fun and then they did the big fight at the end and we kind of like wrapped it up and went home. Uh, overall, they had a lot of fun, uh, and, and I had a lot of fun. Uh, we sad thing though is we were originally going to play this at our table, and they're all friends that I trust uh, with, like health wise. And this is one of the reasons I trust them. Is one of them called me and said, "Listen, I don't think I have COVID, but I have uh, a cough." And um, uh, my girlfriend, who was going to come with him, who also loves D- or games, she also is is starting to have symptoms of this. So like we don't think we should come to your house. And I'm like, no, you shouldn't. And then my other (laughs) friend called and was like, my husband straight up has COVID. I'm sorry. And I was like, ah, so, uh, that's why we ended up playing online, but it worked out and everyone had a lot of fun. So we ended up doing that, but yeah, we were in chat early on and I was talking with James and a couple other people that showed up and we were having a good time in chat. Yeah, it was fun. So yeah, we, we finished that. Uh, I had a good time and Overall, uh, we were talking about doing maybe like a monthly DCC game would be kind of fun. Uh, and I was talking about that with Lex and a couple other people because uh, it's funny. It's just a system that I really like and I don't get to play it because everyone wants <laughs> to play D&D. And I was like, ah. Uh, and I love D&D too, but uh, it, there's something to be said about playing there's other so systems. so many good you know, games out there. There's just a lot there, of yeah. cool systems out there. So, yeah. Uh, yeah. Um. And then uh, we did Rod of Seven Parts. Um, it was kind mm-hmm. of an episode where they were just trying to figure out their next move. And they ended up uh, trading some very expensive stuff for a uh, portal key that will get them to the realm of Pandemonium, where they need to go next to find the last final rod fragment. And then uh, they wanted a way to get out of there. And so uh, they also bought this key 
that will take you to Sigil, which is like the city of doors in the center of the multiverse. And that's their, that, that is what they think is their get out of jail free card. So after they destroy Miska and all this other stuff, they can use that to just go to Sigil and then they're good. But it's a one-way ticket, um, which will be fun if they do use that because then I can, uh, uh, we could continue the game with, you know, various planner adventures through Planescape, uh, mm-hmm. which would be a lot of fun. So, so yeah. So this Wednesday should be a really exciting game. It is, is, it is their first time in Pandemonium, which is a very scary and terrible place. And I have a whole bunch of specific things that work only in Pandemonium. <laughs> um, uh, well, I have, I, sorry, I have Pandemonium effects is what I should say. Um, so they're going to have to do all kinds of skill checks and various weird things about all of that. So it'll, it'll be fun to see how it works out. Um, yeah. Very cool. So Those sound like good games. Yeah. It's a lot of fun. A lot of fun. <laughs> Having a good time. Um, and as for, I think I'm going to play uh rod of seven parts tomorrow. We canceled usually on Saturday. We play on Saturdays, but we canceled because it's Halloween and they wanted to celebrate Halloween. Um, and you know, so did he. So, uh, so because of that, I think we're uh Yeah, we need the need we need the cosplay session of Rod of Seven Parts where they all dress up as their characters. Yeah, that would be fun. <laughs> <laughs> so other than that, um I'm gonna play that tomorrow and then yeah, I've been working on my campaign setting, I've been reading a lot, been writing, I gotta gotta work on a spelljammer video. It's busy. Lots of stuff to Very do. Very cool. But, uh, yeah. Well, ladies and gentlemen, that's our show. Thank you so much for coming out. Thank you for liking, subscribing, and chatting with us. Uh, Modron March is hypothetical in the future. We'll see. Um, <laughs> we are going to be here next week, uh, no, November 7th, I think, or 6th. We're into November. But we'll be in November next week. Uh, go, go. If you're in the United States, go vote and, and vote for yeah. good people. Uh, and I Definitely. won't tell you specifically who those are, but I, if you know deep down in your look heart, look them up. <laughs> look them up. There are some good people, and you should go vote for them so that the good yeah. people win. Uh, and yeah, I think that's it. We'll be back next week. Happy Halloween, Happy everybody! Halloween. Have a have a safe Halloween yeah. tonight too. Yeah, and and be fun. Have safe. Be fun. Be safe. Have fun. Enjoy yourselves, and we will see you next week with another episode of the Saturday Morning D and D Show. Goodbye. Our intro and outro music is 8-Bit March by Twin Musicom, licensed under Creative Commons. Check out their website at www.twinmusicom.org.